This message was recorded at an In Christ Together event, a series of weekends hosted by local churches on behalf of Christ Central. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. Brilliant. It's uh, fantastic to be here. I don't know if you realise the significance of what's happening this weekend, but we are really celebrating what God is doing here in the Midlands. We're really celebrating that this is becoming a new team. It's becoming a group of churches that are now working together under the leadership of uh, Graham and his team. And we're very excited about that. We're excited about all the new things that God has for you and all the new things that God wants to do. Um, I believe that God wants to birth new church plants out of today. I believe God wants to strengthen existing churches because of today. I believe that God wants to empower you and equip you to live for him in whatever part of the world he's called you to live in. And I believe that God wants to touch the world today. He wants to touch it through you. He wants people to go into all the world. That's what he told his disciples. Go into all the world, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you are. But also, I believe he's sending us to the world. He's sending us to the nations, the nations in our streets, the nations in our community, and the nations of the world. And I want to say that I believe that God will affect nations from this room. God will speak to us. This afternoon, we're going to have an open time of ministry. I believe God's going to stir some people about church planting. God's going to stir some people about new ministries in the spirit. God's going to stir some people about new nations. God's going to stir some people about staying and building strong where you are locally. God's going to speak to us. We're not just having a jolly today. We believe we're in the presence of God. Now, when God started to speak to us as a team about doing... Uh, these series of meetings, and this is number six, the last one that we're doing this year, the aim was that we took our apostolic team and our apostolic message on the road. And we felt God speak to us a phrase that we want to unpack today. I'm going to unpack it this morning, and then Steve's going to conclude it this afternoon, and then we're going to apply it into our lives. This is the phrase that we are... In Christ together. And I feel the best book of the Bible that explains that, because everything we want to do is not new trendy ideas, it's not from some new blockbuster paperback. What we want to do is unpack God's word to us in the power of the Holy Spirit and have God minister to us by his spirit from his word. This word is the same yesterday, today and forever, because for us it isn't black dots on a white page or if you're really spiritual, a few red dots thrown in. Actually, this is the living, breathing Word of God, who is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the living Word. And the best book for me to unpack these themes is the book of Ephesians. So what we're going to attempt today, we're going to attempt an overview of the book of Ephesians. I'm going to do two sessions this morning. We're going to have a break in the middle, and then Steve is going to conclude it this afternoon. I'm only going to get through three chapters. Steve's going to get through three chapters in one, because Steve's a much faster speaker than I am. (laughs) Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who 
My parents had the pleasure of being part of his church in London in the 1950s and 60s, uh, was a major preacher of the word of God, major exponent of the word. I know that Terry Virgo, who's the founder of what we now call New Frontiers, was very influenced and impacted by the ministry of the doctor, who is not Peter Capaldi, but is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he, cultural reference there, um, he said about the book of Ephesians, it's the most majestic expression of the gospel in the bible because the gospel is all about jesus nt wright tom wright the bishop of durham that was now up in st andrews scotland teaching university there tom wright says this about the book of ephesians it's the best key to unlock the teaching of paul in the new testament so we're going to kind of apply N.T. Wright's key. And I feel you can look at the book of Ephesians, or particularly the first three chapters from the book of Ephesians, under three headings. And it's very simple. It's very easy for you to remember. It's three verses. One from chapter 1, one from chapter 2, and one from chapter 3. And it's 110, 2.10. You're such a prophetic people, 3.10. And we're just going to look at that this morning, 1.10, 2.10, and 3.10. And I think for us, for me, that unlocks the whole book of Ephesians. Ephesians is magnificent. Ephesians is one of the first and only places that tells us what God was doing before the foundation of the world. There isn't a lot in the Bible that tells us what God was doing, but Ephesians tells us. The book of Ephesians also tells us what God is doing at the end of all times in terms of summing up, bringing everything together, which is really, this is the first verse we're going to look at, Ephesians 1 verse 10. It says this, God's plan is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So what is God's plan for the world? What's God's plan for humanity? What's God's plan for the cosmos? What is God doing on planet Earth today? God is bringing everything together, all things together under one head, that is Jesus Christ. And we live in a day, we live in a world that loves to separate the so-called spiritual from the so-called secular. We live in a world today that loves to separate Earth the solid reality that we have around us from the heavens, heaven, spiritual things. That's what the world loves to do. We've seen that particularly in the last 200 years since the Enlightenment. The world has done that. It said it's okay, you can have your own little private God. You can have your own little private faith. We're quite happy in our day of tolerance to allow you to do that, but keep it private. It shouldn't invade secular society. It shouldn't really have much to speak into family life and work life and business life and social life and and science life. That's because this is the the world, that's the heavens. We keep the whole thing nice and separate. Thank you very much. And you can have a God as long as you have him upstairs. As long as it's heaven up there. And Christians have imbibed this. We've bought into this. We talk in our language about the spiritual world. And we talk about the secular world. We talk about that which is the Lord's. But actually the Bible says the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it. We talk about the Lord's Day. Well, 
referring to Sunday, which is okay to refer to that. It's a biblical way of referring to Sunday. But how about whose day is Monday? Whose day is Tuesday? Well, it's all the Lord's. And there's this spiritual and secular divide that God wants to bring together. Because God is bringing all things together in Christ. And if we're going to have an impact in our society, if we're going to have an impact in our lives, if we're going to have an impact in our day, it's really important that we understand that God is calling us to invade secular space with his love, with his goodness, with his mercy. Because God doesn't separate God actually is bringing it all together. Dear friends, that is actually what the cross was all about. That is actually what God has accomplished at the cross. God has brought together what was separated. He's brought together his presence. He's brought together freedom. He's brought together life for eternity with a lost and a broken world. A world that said at the beginning, we don't want anything to do with you, God. Thank you. We'll go our own way. We'll separate out. You see how it was right in the beginning. We'll separate out from you, God. We can be gods in our own eyes. We don't actually need you, God. We can manage the earth in our own way. We can do it on our own authority. We'll separate off from you and there was this great divorce there was this great split there was this great divide where man was separated banished from the presence of God but in Jesus as we've been singing about God's brought it all back together again God is reuniting that which is broken that which is fractured that which is split that which had come apart he is bringing it all together in Christ therefore when Jesus died on the cross Something remarkable happened as a prophetic picture of that. As he was dying on the cross, as he was taking and absorbing into himself all your sin, all your shame, all your wrongdoing, everything that's ever separated you from God, as he was taking that to himself and paying the price for that, as he said, it is finished, I've done it, I've paid the price, there is no more separation now with man and God at that very time, the temple curtain was torn. At that very time, the physical symbol of separation from the presence of God and humanity was ripped. As his body was ripped, so the temple veil was ripped from top to bottom, saying God now has no problem with earth. God now has no problem with humanity. God now has no problem with you. Because in Jesus Christ, everything is paid for. Dear friends, that's our message. Dear friends, that's the gospel. That people can walk into this unity with heaven and earth. That in Christ, God is bringing together these twin spheres. The heavenlies and the earth. He's bringing it together and making one new thing. And Jesus rose again as the first fruits of that. And one day, we'll have new bodies too. One day, these aching, some of us aching more than others, slightly bent, some of us more bent than others, slightly crooked, some of us more crooked than others, These bodies will be aligned again, and actually, there will be no separation. We get a glimpse into the heavenless. 
we get a glimpse into eternity. And eternity is not what I was grow- oh, I brought up with in Sunday school. What I was brought up with in Sunday school, it was part of the space race, I guess. It was kind of one of the songs we used to sing. Somewhere in outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust him and obey. It's like, out there somewhere. Somewhere out there is heaven. Somewhere out there is the heavens. They're out there somewhere, just right past Venus and you know I don't know where but out there somewhere and one day God will come and rescue me from this dirty sinful awful place called earth I'll be rescued out of this place and taken safe to heaven do you know what that is actually not very biblical the biblical picture is of the end times is of the heavenly place which is a real reality The heavenly place coming down as a new city, as a bride prepared for her husband, coming down from heaven to earth. And God uniting the two together. God bringing all things together in Christ. That is our future hope, dear friends. And the amazing thing about Christians, and it says in that that there'll be no more tears, no more crying, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more suffering, because the old order of things will have been passed away, and God will have united that which was separated. God will bring together heaven and earth, literally together. There'll be a brand new derby, hallelujah. There'll be a brand new Midlands. There'll be a brand new UK. There'll be a brand new earth that we get to rule and reign with him in. We get to explore. We get to go to places that we've never gone to before. We get to judge angels, whatever that will be. God brings it all together. Now the amazing thing about Christians, the amazing thing about us, is that we are not called to live separate from society. We're called to live different from society. Jesus did not say to them, don't be in the world. See, people misquote that. Oh, Jesus said, come out of the world. No, he didn't. He actually said, go in the world. He called them and said, go to every nation, every place. Get in the world, Christians. Get in there. He just said, don't be of it. Don't take on its values. Don't take on its attitudes. Don't take on its, its ways of thinking. Don't be shaped and formed by the world. Actually, no, you're supposed to shape and form the world around you with the kingdom of God. And as Christians, we get this amazing privilege to go into all the world. That is not reserved for a few missionaries who are being sent to China. The word missionary... It's the same word, it's just from a different language root. It's the same word as apostle, apostolic. We are an apostolic people. We are an apostolic group of churches. And an apostolic group of churches is ones that are sent with authority into all the world. Jesus is the great apostle. He was sent with authority into the world. He gathered together the first 12 the foundation stones, the founding fathers, as it were. They're very important that we understand there was those 12 apostles representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He was constituting a new thing. He was restoring all the promises to Abraham. That's why it's 12. It's very important we understand that. And they're irreplaceable in that sense, although Judas was replaced by Matthias, but it's 12. We're not adding to that. 
But in that, in the risen Lord Jesus, that was the earthly Lord Jesus gave 12. The risen Lord Jesus has given apostles to the church. Why? So that we might become an apostolic people, a people sent with authority. And where the heck are we being sent to? Not to just pass Venus on the right. There's a ship they've sent up there that's running out of batteries. And I don't think they've seen many heavenly beings up there. We're being sent into life. We're being sent into the workplace. We're being sent into our streets. We are being sent and called to represent the kingdom of God. Jesus taught his disciples to pray something amazing. He taught them to pray this. Live as if the eternal thing was happening now. Live as if that heavenly reality of heaven coming and joining with earth... Live as if all things have been brought together right now. This is what he taught them to pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One day that heavenly reality will come to planet earth. But you're called to live as if it's true now. To give it its full title, we're an eschatological people. We're a people who are living in the end times. We're a people who are living in eternity. We're a people who are living as if the joining has already happened. Because in us it's already happened. Because in Jesus it's already happened. Jesus is the joined up man. He is the one in whom heaven and earth have come together. And the remarkable thing is we are, guess what, in Christ. Therefore, if we're in Christ, even though we're living in these achy, crooked and bent bodies, the new creation has started in our hearts and God has joined it up within us. We are now the new creation. It's like this thing that's going to happen one day at the end of the ages has already happened in your heart. It's already happened in your life. And therefore, you're to live as if it's happening all around you. Therefore, you should expect things to happen around you. You should expect a bit of trouble, actually. Jesus said, in this life, you will have a bed of roses. The bluebirds will sing. It will be wonderful. Sun shining. No, he didn't. He said, in this world, you'll have trouble. If they didn't like me, they're really not going to like you all that much sometimes. So we should expect there to be conflict. We should expect light to invade darkness and darkness not always to like it. But we should expect that the offer of life that God is calling us to live out, the offer of being joined up with God, the offer of peace with God, the offer of sins being forgiven, we should expect that to be received. Because when people's eyes are open to the truth, and Jesus is the light of the world, but he then turned to his disciples and said, you are the light of the world, we should expect as the light bearers that people will receive our message. That we'll see something in us. We are the fragrance of Christ. That's not a new Calvin Klein perfume. We are the fragrance of Christ. Now it says to some with a stench of death, we should expect a bit of conflict, we'll come on to that later. But we should expect to be the joined up ones who are bringing God's kingdom into all of life. We should expect things like this to happen around us. The poor are lifted out of their poverty. 
We should expect that. That's not the government's job. See, I was brought up in a day that said, that's the government's job. You pay the government to do that. Actually, it was only Christians who influenced previous governments to encourage them to do good things. It was the, and Christians have now absolved responsibility. It's the gov- we shouldn't give handouts. It's the government. We are the government of God. We are the kingdom of God. We are to lift the poor. We're to serve the poor. We're to help them. This is good news. Jesus came saying, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And I'm called to preach. Vote this party or vote that party because they'll help you with your poverty. No, we're the good news to the poor. So it's important we're going to be pushing a book today, encouraging you to read it. The Myth of the Undeserved Poor, written by a very good friend of ours, Martin Charlesworth and Natalie Williams, is exemplary, it's excellent, and it's talking about how the church has been the agent of change for the poor down through the ages, and God is calling us today to take on that mantle, not just to rail at the government, although we've got a responsibility in telling the government what it should do under God, but we've got a responsibility. We're the joined up ones. Heaven and earth has come to us. All things are being brought together. There's going to be no more poverty in the end. Therefore, we live as it's true now. Sickness and suffering. Oh, well, just live in a broken world. Yes, we do. But we're called to bring heaven to earth now. We're called to speak to sicknesses. We're called to speak to aching bodies, bent bodies, crooked bodies. We're called to speak to them in the name of Jesus and to say, straighten up and fly right. We're called to do that. We're called to be the supernatural people living a natural life in all of community. Dear friends, Bill Hybels, great pastor from the States, says the local church is the hope of the world. The hope of the world at the moment in this country is being looked at in next May's election. No, it's not. This is the hope of the world. This is the hope of Derby. This is the hope of Leicester. This is the hope of Malvern. This is the hope of all the church plantings that we're going to be doing out of here. You're the hope of the world. You're the light of the world. Live as if Ephesians 1 is true, that you are the joined up people in Jesus because of your new identity. Let's look at the second verse. And by the way, I had notes here. I haven't looked at any of them. It's always dangerous. I'll look at them now. That was a good point. I haven't mentioned that. No, I <laughs> Second point. One ten that God's going to join up, join it all up in Jesus. He started now. Two ten. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. This is the new creation. It's in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is the gospel. It's not turn over a new leaf. It's not now, you used to live that way. Come on, you know better now. You're educated people. Don't live like savages. Live like educated, grown-up, good people. You used to live like kids. Now live like grown-ups. It's, you used to live like primary school kids. Now live like, you know, but grow up. It's a big world. No, it's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is there has been a radical change in your life. You've been taken out of Adam and all that Adam represented in terms of fallenness and brokenness and 
sin and shame and death and grief. And you have been miraculously transformed. You've been placed into Christ. You've been joined organically to Jesus. That's the gospel. And now you are part of the bride of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. You're actually joined to him. Jesus said, no one can pluck you from my hands. Why? Because you are his hand. You've been amazingly joined to Jesus. It's Paul's favourite expression for the Christian. Unfortunately, in our day and age, Christianity has got muddled up with rules and certain... Or you don't... If you're a Christian, you don't drink that. You don't play that. You don't do this. You don't go there. Because we're Christians, we should be known by what we don't do. Or, you know, or, or perhaps what we do do. You know, we're, we're good people. We do this. No. Actually, Christianity is not about doing, first of all. It's about being. It's being in Christ. Knowing that a radical transformation has happened to you. And Paul's favourite phrase for the Christian is one who is in Christ. One who is joined to Christ. In his letters, theologians debate, because sometimes it's in the beloved, or in him, or in the son. There are somewhere between 132 and 162 references to being in Christ. I counted up in Ephesians, there are 27 of them. In this, in the first 14 verses alone, there's 10 of them. It's absolutely rich with this theme. And if you get anything today, understand your identity, understand your security doesn't come from telling yourself certain facts, doesn't come from knowledge. It comes from a conviction that you have been placed into Christ. That God has done something supernatural, miraculous, wonderful in your life. And you know what? You can't go back. I believe in eternal security. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says the old man, the old person that I was, actually died with Jesus. It's dead and buried. I buried that old person with baptism. And I've been resurrected just as Jesus came alive from the dead. I've been resurrected in him. I have been now made alive in Christ. This is now my new identity. Uh, Where are you? Where are you sitting today? Well, we're sitting in Derby, in the Riverside Stadium, in the Riverside, whatever it's called, the Riverside thing, centre. Thank you. We're sitting here. No, you're not. The Bible says if you're a Christian, you're risen with Christ. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's who you are now. You're no longer according to the flesh. You're no longer rooted into your Adamic history. You're rooted into Christ. That's who you are. And you can't go back. It's a one-way valve. Something amazing has happened. Imagine this room. Think of this room with a great divide. Think of this bunch of sinful... Savagery. I mean, just look, it's easy to imagine... People, the, you know, these, are, these people are in Adam. Just imagine it for a moment. They're in Adam. They were born that way. They can't help it. That was their natural state. They came into the world that way. They were born. That, it wasn't even their choice to be born. They were born in Adam. Their parents conceived them. They came into life like this. But then something amazing happens. Just like in that old hymn. 
His eye diffuses a quickening ray. My dungeon flames with light. I'm alive. And I come out of the dungeon. And my friend Michael has this experience. And something supernatural gets hold of him. Suddenly he can see. Suddenly he's changed and he's moved from out of Adam. Don't go back. He's moved from out of, out of Adam. He's moved sovereignly, not by his own ability. This was a chasm he could never cross by his own ability. In fact, he didn't even know there was a chasm there. He didn't even know there was an eternity. He didn't even know there was a spiritual life. But God opened his eyes sovereignly. The gospel came to him. He came alive and he was born again in Christ. And he was then seated with Christ in heavenly places because you'll have appreciated by now this is the spiritual half of the room these are the glorious ones in Christ these are the ones who will live for eternity with him and do you know what there is no way back you can't go back now please don't go back just for the sake of this talk and the sake of having some friends after the second session we're all in Christ now so you can have this mass conversion But it's so important we understand that's who we really are right now. We are those who are joined to Jesus Christ. We're in Christ. It's not just following the rules of Jesus. That we are born again, transformed and transferred into Christ. So important difference, you understand that. Let me just ask you today, is Jesus loved of the Father? Not a trick question. Yeah, he's the darling of heaven, the one who's eternally loved. You are in Christ today, loved as much as Jesus. Scandalous, isn't it? If it wasn't true, it's true. You're loved as much as Jesus. Jesus is... Is Jesus eternally secure? Could he ever lose his sonship? No, he's going to reign as a son over the house forever. You're in Christ. You cannot lose it. You cannot enjoy it. You can be a miserable Christian, a backslidden Christian. But once you're born again, once the old life has died and the new life has come... You can't go back. It's a one-way valve. You are in Christ. And you are as secure as Jesus Christ. Let me ask you one final one. Is Jesus righteous? Yes. He's the king of righteousness. He can't be any more righteous than he is. Are you righteous today? Well, you don't know what I did this week, Jeremy. You don't know what I saw. You don't know what I said. You don't know what I thought. Hey, I didn't ask you what you saw, what you said, what you thought. I asked you, are you righteous? The answer is yes, I'm as righteous as Jesus Christ because he is my righteousness. I am clothed in him. I am placed in him. I am loved. I am secure. I am righteous. Why? Because I am in Christ. Now, We're going to encourage you to live that out. But it's ever so important that you don't live it out of your own strength. You don't live it out of your own ability. This verse says this. We are God's workmanship. The word there is masterpiece. It's actually the word poema, 
which is a bit of a clue, we get the word, English word poem from it. It's a beautiful exercise in creativity. You are a beautiful exercise in new creativity. Every one of you is creative in Christ. So this is what it says. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. That's what we are. We're God's masterpiece. Now some of you look down on yourselves. You look down upon your physical frame. You look down upon your emotional or your intellectual frame. Some of you look down on your achievements. Some of you look down on your heritage, on your birth, on the colour of your skin, on the place where you were born, in the parentage that you had, in the schooling or education that you had. Listen, God has made you, in Christ, a beautiful masterpiece. Never look down. Now, I understand these bodies are failing. I understand these bodies are crumbling. I understand more than you realise. My body is. But do you know what? We're going to have new bodies one day, but actually we are already new creations. Inside this flesh, already we are this wonderful new masterpiece. And God has created that in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, let me tell you, good works doesn't just mean keeping the rules. It doesn't mean just being good. Oh yeah, I knew it was coming now. This is it. It's a big emotional stir that we just keep the rules. We just be good people. No. When it means good works here, it means creative wonders that God wants you to walk in. God has got something very unique and very special for you that only you can do. Now you can do many things for God... But actually, there's probably only one thing that God wants you to do for him because he has designed it and created it for you. There's something of creativity. There's something of the divine in you. It started right at the beginning of creation where God made us in his own image. Unfortunately, that image was marred by sin, was smashed by sin. But actually, in Christ now, that image is restored. It's been brought to life again. We are made in the image of God. We're in Christ now, and you have a wonderful creative calling to walk in. Don't think creativity is some of those crazy loonies. You know, they're the creative people. They want to dance and do drama and paint and they're just the creative ones. No, listen, science and scientists are the most creative people. There was a scientist who put that crazy spaceship <laughs> on a comet. Scientists do crazy. It's the scientists who develop all this wonderful technology around us. Don't separate arts from science. See, that's what we do in our education establishments. It's what we do in our thinking. We say, that's creative, that's not. Actually, it's all creative. And God wants you to find out your calling, to find out your purpose. What on earth am I here for? It's a good question to ask. What on earth am I here for? 
What's God called me? And maybe you're married, me and my partner. Maybe you're not, you're single. What's God called me? And my, my, what's God said to me? What has God called me for? Because this says here is a promise. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And that's not just being good, although will it involve working out righteousness? It's actually about creativity for which God has prepared in advance for us to do. See, God's prepared in advance. God's not scratching his head and thinking, oh, a David Ash has got saved. Didn't have that one on the list. Kind of a bit odd, bit weird, you know. Angels, could you come up with a creative scheme now for David Ash because we weren't expecting that one to come? No, God was expecting that one to come. God has gone through eternity planning David's salvation. Do you know I said Ephesians tells us what God was doing before and what God will do at the end? What God was doing before, it says, in love, he predestined us to be conformed to his image. David, there was a day when he became a Christian. But actually, his Christianity was assured from before the foundation of the world. And God went to extraordinary lengths to work every circumstance and every detail to David to come to life, for David to come to birth. That's why theologians call it irresistible grace, because once we see it, we can't help but respond. We're hardwired by the Spirit to respond to the gospel, because actually God has prepared it in advance for us to walk in. Do you think that God has gone to all that effort to cause him to be born in the right place, to the right parents, to cause him to go to the right school, to be in the right setting? Do you think God's gone to all that extraordinary length for him to hear the gospel, for then God to go, no, I don't know what to do with him. I mean, we don't know what to do with him, but, you know, God, I don't know what to do with him. No, God knows what to do with David Ash. God has got a wonderful purpose and a plan for his life. And God is going to work that out. And God is calling David to walk in things which are unique to David. I can't be like him. I'm in awe of him sometimes. I can't do what he does. I can't speak like he speaks. I can't administrate and implement and be prophetic like he is. God has given him something unique to walk in. And dear friends... That's one of the purposes of days like today, where we get an, a clue, an inkling of what God has called us to be in Christ. You're a masterpiece, a creative masterpiece. And God has prepared in advance for things for you to walk in. There are no spare parts in the kingdom of God. A friend of mine, and we'll stop in a minute for a break, a friend, I'll end with this story. A friend of mine used to love to strip his motorbike down. Uh, to the annoyance of his wife, he used to love to strip it down in their front room. And when he would finish stripping his motorbike down and rebuilding it as you do, <coughs> he found that in the Tupperware box, you remember Tupperware? In the Tupperware box that he'd had all the oil change in, in the end, there was a few nuts and bolts left over. And his wife, and we would say to him, Mark, what, what are those for? He said, oh, they're probably just spares. No, they're not. They weren't in the Tupperware box when you started. You took them off the motorbike. I wouldn't go out on the road without that. It's probably a very important part. 
But it's only a little nut and a little bolt. Listen, engines fall apart because little nuts and little bolts aren't in place. Don't think of yourself like a spare part. Don't think, I'm just a little nut, I'm just a little bolt. No, God is building a bride. He's building a wonderful body because we're in Christ together, as we'll find out in the next part. And actually, you have a significant part to play, an important part to play. And you may just be a nutter, sorry, a nut. You may just be, you may but actually, God, that's what we need to have. We, something is going to fall off unless you're bolted on. Unless you're in place. Something will be missing. The whole thing could come apart, actually. And God in his sovereignty has designed a place perfect for you. Fitting for you. What's God doing? Well, one day, he's summing up everything. He's bringing everything together in Christ, heaven and earth. He's done it in the person of Jesus, and because you're in Jesus, in Christ, he's done it in you. You're the together people, the joined up people, where heaven and earth come together. Therefore, live as those people. And know that as those people, as you go into life, you have got a destiny not chosen by your elders, not chosen by a loved one, A wife saying, you should do this. A husband saying, you must do that. No, chosen by almighty God. You are in Christ. A masterpiece. A creative person. And God has got somewhere very special and something unique that only you can do.